0: We've been talking about marriage, and so I know there's some people here that are not married, but I believe that the Holy Ghost can speak to you no matter what I'm speaking on, number one. Number two, but I believe today's message especially, this will help you in life. Today's message is going to help you. But I, want to, I just want to review real quickly. I said this, the best marriage you can possibly have is the one that you're in right now. You can still say amen, even though it's a review. We taught that we have one whole message that you have grace for marriage. God gives you grace for marriage. And if you're married, you're going to need grace. But God gives it to you. God gives it to you. You know, in Second Corinthians 9, eight, it's, it talks about God is able to make all grace abound to you. And so we have grace for marriage. We talked about there's certain myths of marriage. You know, like I you especially, you know, young people, I just want to get married so I can be happy. Honey, I mean, if if you're if you're getting married for the sole purpose that you think that person is going to make you happy, day six or week six or week there's gonna be a day that you're gonna have a rude awakening. Jesus is your source of happiness. Hallelujah. Love is what you do for your spouse, not for what you feel about them. We talked about that. Uh, And you know, God just designed marriage to be really, really good. And I know there's a lot of Christians who are married, and they're just like the world as far as they don't have any victory in their marriage, and it shouldn't be that way. We have something that they don't. Amen? Uh, So you need to look to God for that unconditional love Needs to be in your marriage. Unconditional love. That means you love them no matter what. We talked about men and women being different. That was a fun message for me. I I enjoyed it. But anyway, God uh, gave you everything that you are not. And there's so many different needs, you know. You hear young people say, Oh, they're just like me. They're going to have a rude awakening someday because men and women are nothing alike. Anyway, uh, and we said this, this was a big one for me. Marriage is not a list of do's and don'ts. Because there's times you go to some marriage seminar and say, well, you just need to get your husband to do these of do's, and you need to get your wife not to make do these don'ts. And Marriage is not a, a bunch of do's and don'ts because... You may, after a few weeks of that seminar, you're just going to slide back into who you are, which is not a person that's going to do everything perfect. But the good news is, God can give you grace, and does give you grace, and has given you grace to do the duties. You see the difference? If Mike tries to do it, I, i just fail miserably. Oh, sometimes I do. I bat maybe, you know, like a baseball, you know, 400%. I mean, that's good. You know what that means? Four out of ten times you get on base, the other six you do not. So that's not good for for marriage. But you know what? The grace of God. Oh, man, he can help you do the do's. He can help you do stuff that you thought you could never even do no matter what. It's called grace. All right. That's a small review. Well, so if you haven't been here for four weeks, or if you missed a week, you ought to. You can go online. You can listen to it for free, or you can order a CD and get that free. You don't charge for the Word. Amen. I thought of this, and I wrote it down. When a wife is the hardest to love, when she's the hardest to love, chances are that is when she needs it. That was worth coming to church for right there. And all the women said. And all the women said, well, you got to be enthusiastic if you want me to say this stuff now. And generally speaking, that's when it's hard for men to do it, to give it that love. But if you've got grace and you've got unconditional love inside of you, which you do, then you can. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loves you even when you're unloving? The Bible says when you were in full-blown sin, not even a child of God, He loved you. Amen. When a husband is the hardest to respect, to honor, chances are that's when he needs it the most. And all the men said, you know, when a man, I mean, probably not any men in here, but there's some men can be like jerks. Just keep smiling. And when he is a jerk, that's the time, probably, that he needs your respect. That'll help you. Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. You know what basically that peacemaker is? That's somebody who is a problem solver. Blessed Blessed are the people who are problem solvers. In marriage, you need to come together as a team and be problem solvers. To be problem solvers. Because conflict never destroys a marriage. It is the refusal to resolve conflict that hurts marriage. Because marriage, if you're married longer than six days or six hours or six minutes, sometimes you're probably going to have some kind of conflict coming on. So it's good to know that, you know what, we can look to Jesus and get this resolved. We can look to Jesus because... Every marriage is threatened by disagreements. You will have disagreements. But that's just the result of being human, of looking at life through different eyes, coming to get together from different backgrounds. Everybody's raised different. Everybody's got different parents, different culture even. And so you take whatever you were raised with, how you were raised, you take that into the marriage relationship. And so it's going to be different. It's going to be different. It's like two mighty rushing rivers when they come together. How I many you know? I mean, if they're just flowing real fast, you can see that, you know, you got a river on the left and a river and one of is kind of muddy, and one of them's kind of, you know, clearer, but you know, they're very distinct as they come together. But when they do come together, you go downstream, it's all one, honey. It's all one. And that's the way God set it up. He set it up to be one, two individuals coming together. Men and women, however, they approach conflict resolution so differently because they are different people and they have different views. They see things differently. But you can't be expecting the other one. If you're a wife, you can't expect the husband to see exactly like you. If you're a man, you can't expect her to see. Well, why can't you see? She never sees it like I do. And that's because she's a woman. Well, he never sees it like that. because he's a man. That ain't going to change. But you know what? When you come together and you put the two together, you have different views to see this problem and you can get it resolved because you do see differently. If it was just you, the other person was exactly like you, you realize there's really no benefit from that? That'll help you just want to suck the lips off your spouse. If you realize the benefit. There's power in unity. There is power in unity. There is. And so obviously, the devil knows this, so obviously, what does he try to do? Call strife and division in marriages. Oh, he wants that. I mean, you look at our nation. You you know, you you, you got Republicans and Democrats. I mean, they're about ready to kill each other right about now. You got, if, if the devil, you realize this, we don't have a Republican or Democrat problem. We just got a devil problem. The devil wants to try to do anything to cause strife and division in a nation in a church, in a society, in a marriage. It, it, it's, we don't have a race problem. It's a devil problem. You don't have a male and a female problem. It, it's a devil problem. But thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And so far greater is He that is in us than He that is coming against us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But the one thing that can help or say, your relationship, your marriage, friendship. We're going to talk about that today, and it's words, words in marriage. You know, the Bible. We most people, if you've been coming to this church, you probably know this. In Proverbs chapter eighteen. It says there is life and death in the power of that thing, that thing that can just wag. Life and death are in the power of that. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. So, Colossians chapter four. We're going to go through a lot of scripture, so just hang on. All right. This is marriage Bible school. Relationship Bible school. It'll help you if you're not married. It'll help you with your friends. It'll help yourself if you need help. Colossians chapter four, verse five and six. The Message translation: Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in conversation, not put them down, not cut them out. When I was young, you know, my goal was to win. You know, because men are performance oriented, so I wanted to win the argument. Ding, 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 I won, I won, I won. That's not what the goal, the Bible says, should be. The goal is to bring out the best in others when you're in a conversation. To bring out the best. Colossians 4, 6. This is the New Century Version. It says, When you talk, every once in a while, be kind. When you feel good. Oh, when you just are trying and trying, try to be kind. You know what? The Word had the audacity to tell us. When you talk. Let's just make sure. Does everybody understand when you talk? what we're oh, You understand that? When you talk, you should Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Always. You should always be kind and pleasant so you will be able to answer everyone in the way you should. You know, you read that scripture and you think, man, am I saved? Always. Always. I'm telling you. Are you ready for good news? You've got the grace to do that. You have grace to fulfill that. God's not asking you to do something you can't. He, I know you can't be nice and kind but just put on the best face you can. It doesn't say that. There's not a part B. He says you can do that. Why? Because there is grace of kindness. Galatians 5, 22, 23. You ought to put that on your refrigerator. All kinds of dieting programs. That's good on your fridge. But I'm telling you, Galatians 5, 22, 23 sets you free. Why? Because when you got born again, you got the fruit of the Spirit inside of you. And that fruit, one of them, says kindness. So when you got Jesus, you got all of the fruit. You got patience. You know? And I hear Christians say this, and I don't try to slap them upside the head too hard, but you know, they sit there and go, I just need patience. Pray for me to have patience. No, I can't do that. You got patience. You're wrong, Pastor. I've been living in this body for this many years. There's no patience in there. Yeah, there is. And your spouse may think they don't have kindness in in there. But there's kindness in there. There is patience. It's in there. And the good news is you need to be aware of it. And if you're aware of it, you can go, You know what? I can be kind to my spouse. When they're unkind or when they're not very appealing, I can be kind. I can be patient with them. When they're not very kind to me, I can be patient with them. I'm telling you, that's good to know. That will help you in life. Hallelujah. Kindness is in you. And let me just say this, you know, when you do get into discussion, argument, and it gets a little heated, you know, don't be like some editorial page from hell, you know. You know what I mean by that? Well, you never did. And you know back 20 years ago, and you said this. And you always, you should just take always and never out of your conversation with your spouse. You always, uh, you can't say that. You never, eh, you can't say that. Just don't say it. Just don't say it. Proverbs 15.2. Proverbs 15.2. You know what? If you're having trouble with your tongue, you should just read Proverbs. that I jerk the slack right out of you, I'm telling you. Proverbs 15 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of fools pours forth foolishness. Proverbs 15 28. This is a new living testament. It says the heart of the godly. You got any godly people in here today? If you're born again, you're godly. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. This next scripture is for men. I know I, it, women; it's for you too. But this, in reality, is women. Proverbs 18:13. Proverbs 18:13, the New Living Testament. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. It is a proven statistic. It may not be in your home. But generally speaking, 84% of the time men interrupt women. 84% of the time men are interrupting women. Ladies, did you hear that statistic? Okay, so now you know. He's a man. There's an 84% chance he's going to interrupt you. But listen to me. Listen to me. The reason that he may interrupt you is because, you remember we have this in our lesson, is that is men are performance oriented. And so while you're talking about something, he wants to fix it. And you may want to talk about it for 20 minutes, but he's already got an answer two minutes into your conversation, so he's, you don't have to say anymore, I got this. And she goes, no. And then that's where the argument starts. Arguments start right there. You know, and this is the thing. She don't want you to fix it. She just wants you to listen. I've learned that the hard way. You know, I wish I could get a bobblehead and just put it on top of me and just... Yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 and just bite your lip the whole time. Mm-hmm. If you listen to her with such love and dedication and looking into her eyes and not, you know, like, you know, the TV's behind her. And If it's a football game on, honey, you should just turn it off because you're going to get in trouble. But anyway, you can't just be... Lo- I, I... I... Yes, honey. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes! <laughs> Somebody scored or something. But anyway, you just need to listen. She wants you to listen. If you do that, your nights will be a lot better. All right. Proverbs. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you are easily offended, you're easily offended. If you don't know if you're easily offended, find a friend that will tell you the truth. Not one who's just a yes person. Find a good friend that, and if they said, if you ask him, "Am I easily offended?" And they say yes, and you get offended, you should take a clue. You should just really, really catch a clue right there. As believers, we should never get offended. That includes married believers, by the way. Uh, uh, It just keeps getting better around here, doesn't it? Your spouse is a gift from God, which is not like you. And if you really listen to one another, you'll be better a better person for it. But just when you are helping your spouse, correcting your spouse, you just don't need to be yelling it. It's not received as well. When the vein popped out and the forehead is scrunched up and you don't have to do that. Why? Because you've got kindness in it. You have kindness inside of you. You don't have to respond that much. You do. I'm telling you. Proverbs 12, 18. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Right in the midst of an argument or whatever, you have the ability inside of you to bring healing. Man, that's good news. God wants you to have victory in your marriage, in your relationships, with your friendships, with you in life. He wants you to have victory. And your words play a huge, huge part of that. Huge. Because arguments, affairs, divorces, they all start with words. It doesn't start with the bedroom, honey. It starts with the word. It starts with words. And if you realize that, you be careful with the words that you say. You be careful with the words you say. I mean, Ephesians 4.29, the New Living Testament says this, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So even when you're correcting, you need to have an attitude of love that you're wanting to correct because you love them. So let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. You know, Joel Osteen is the, the most popular pastor on the planet. And you can talk to somebody who doesn't go to church, who doesn't know anything about God, and they probably know Joel Osteen. And uh, have you ever see him on TV? The dude never stopped smiling. he get up there aren't you glad to be in Lakewood today? And, from, and it starts right there and all the way until the end. I tried to do that one time, one Sunday message. I tried. I got so messed up in my message because I was trying to concentrate on smiling and I couldn't even think about what it. So I go, you know what, Father, that ain't going to work. I'm just going to do be me. I can't be that. But the great thing about Joel Osteen you could be listening to him and everything, and he could throw you under the bus, and you'll never know it. you think, man, wasn't that good? That was a great message. He just threw you under the bus, but he smiled while he did it, and you just think, I love that man. I love that man. He just smiled. He loves me too, I can tell. You know what? I learned that with my wife. It's good in relation When you're correcting and trying to help and do this, if you just go, how I many know oh, you can say the same words like this? Or you can say, You get the look, you know, and you get the voice in your tone, but you can say the same words, you know, like, well, honey, you're really spending too much money, you know, we're going to get a hold of this and everything. You're spending too much money, what's the matter with you? You see the difference? It's just a slight technicality. No, I'm telling you what, it'll help the other person to receive it. And we want to be an encouragement to the other person. All right. You know, it's kind of like the sandwich effect. You know, you say something really good, encouraging to them, and then you just throw in the thing, and you say something good, encouragement to them, and it's just like it's palatable. I I I can swallow that. But if it's all just it's hard to swallow. It is for me, anyway. First Peter chapter three. First Peter three ten, for he who would love life, everybody here loves life, right? You love life, and see good days. Do you want to see good days? Let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips from speaking deceit. You want to see? If you're not seeing good days, if you're not loving life. Now you know. It's your mouth. Same response to first service. I said, now if you're not having good days, if you're not loving life, look in the mirror and stick your tongue out. That's the fault. But the good news is, you have the ability inside of you to speak sweet stuff even encouraging stuff, even correcting stuff. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus is talking to the religious people. He says, you brood of vipers, how how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth leaks. You know, your mouth just leaks stuff. Listen to me. Listen. Listen. This is why you're in church today. This is why God wants you in church. This is why God wants you to read the Bible. This is why God wants for you to talk to Him. Not so you can be religious. Not so you can fill out your religious square and pat yourself on the back and feel good about yourself because you did something religious. God's not impressed with that. But I tell you, You come to church, you pray, you read your Bible because you are filling yourself up so when your heart is full of the good things that God has given us, your mouth will leak good stuff. If you feed yourself 24-7... Negative stuff, watching news and negativity and just watching negative stuff and bad stuff. You go to work and you jump in their negative conversation. Oh, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. You just keep feeding yourself that and feeding yourself the Bible because whatever you feed is what's going to come out. So the good news is you can feed. You come to church here, you're going to hear good news. And that's a problem with some people who don't go to church because they don't hear good news. I mean, they, you're going to hell. You better straighten up your bunch of sinners. You're going to hell. Come back next week at 9 o'clock. You get part two. I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to go to church after you hearing about that. I mean, I get enough hell outside of church. I don't want to get hell inside of church. How about you? Can you say amen? The gospel is... Good news. Good news It's so good that it's almost too good to be true news. That's our Father. And He wants you to know that He's for you, never against you. And He can help you in the worst marriage that is on this planet. You may be ranked number one, not even know it. It could be the number one worst marriage on the planet. Right here, Rocky Mountain Family Church. And God's not up in heaven going, Michael, we oh. I don't know I don't know they're not going to make it and I can't help them they're beyond help did you know your marriage can never be beyond help I don't care if you have 400 affairs it's not beyond help I didn't get everybody on board on that one so I'll just keep staring I'm not intimidated why you hear the gospel, to feed yourself. Because stuff will leak out of your mouth. When the emotions are flowing, when you two, you just add it, emotions fly a little bit. Maybe that blood pressure goes up, yeah, stuff. But you know what? If you are full, getting the Word, speaking with God, reading the Bible, I'm not saying I'm bad a thousand percent, but I know one thing. I can tell when I've been... Meditating thinking about good things or meditating thinking about negative things. It influences me. It influences you. Because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, stuff's gonna come out. Can you say amen? Proverbs 423. Be careful what you think. Why do you need to be careful with what you think? Nobody knows. Doesn't hurt anybody what I think on because your thoughts run your life. If you have wrong thinking, you're going to have wrong believing. If you have wrong believing, you're going to have wrong actions. You are. If you think everybody listening to me now? If you think your spouse is stupid. Not so smart. Why did I marry her? Why did I marry him? They're just, they are just dumb. If you think that, you're going to start believing that, and it eventually will come out, and you'll treat them as such. Now we're going to get down a little bit where the rubber meets the road. You know, if you got married when you're 23, and you're 63 they don't look the same case you didn't know you can get the wedding photos out and look may have gained a few pounds may have gained a lot of pounds may have had a lot of hair may have no hair may not have any wrinkles you got wrinkles may have stuff growing that you didn't know should be growing. But this is the thing. If you look at your spouse and say, well, you're just not as pretty, or you're you're overweight, and if you're, caught, listen to me now, this is going to, this will help your marriage. If you sit there and you're thinking about this, about them, first of all, you know, to be honest with you, and we know this, but we don't live it, because that is so shallow, that's the way Hollywood portrays relationships. You know, if you're If you got married and you're 120, now you're 123. Oh, I'm so fat. Give me a donut and smash it through her nose. But anyway, this is the point. You can't be that shallow. And what you are. I'm sorry, sometimes the mouth leaketh. But anyway, listen to me now. If you are. And listen, if you're married, you do have thoughts that come up like that. You look at your spouse and go, hmm. But did you? You better. You better. You better change the way that that thought. You better not let that thing make a bird's nest inside of you. You cannot meditate upon. You know, you're just not as pretty as you used to be. I'm just saying. There was a men's conference preacher had a big men's conference, a bunch of men, just men only, talking about, you know, being a good husband, being a good man, being good, 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 and all this, and so they both had lunch at the church, everybody packed out and everything, you know, and everybody's talking, you know, and it was just relaxing, and so this one man sat across from this other guy, and he said, you know what, my wife just ain't pretty to me anymore, and when he said that, have you ever said things in a bunch of crowded people, and everybody got quiet all at once, and and you know how men whisper, anyway. You know this is a whisper. You know my wife ain't very pretty anymore. And he said that, and it got quiet right as he said that, and the whole place heard him. Everybody going, And he, th- everybody hear that? And the guy goes, Yeah, I think so. And so we got b- embarrassed. It was, you know, I mean, this is awkward. I mean, it was really awkward. But listen to me. There is this elderly, older man, white-headed. He got up out of his seat, walked over there to the man, put his hands on his shoulder, and said, Son, can I ask you something? He said, Yeah. He said, Is your wife worried? Oh, every day of her life. She is a worry. Wor- she worries about the kids, worries about this, worries about her health, worry, worry, worry. worry. She, he said, Well, that's your problem. Worry and make a woman look ugly, and he says the Bible says this: that a woman or we or people are supposed to cast their care upon the Lord. And then he said, it's "Your job to make sure she does that." Get real quiet in the Holy Ghost Church. I just thought I'd help you out. I'm just saying. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything and the one who makes me who I am. You may be struggling in your marriage. Maybe struggling in life. You may be struggling. But I'm telling you. This scripture says, I can make it through anything because of the one. Who is the one? That's Jesus. Jesus. You start thinking differently about your spouse. You start thinking differently about who they are in Christ. You start thinking differently about who you are in Christ. Who am I? Who are they? Are they perfect? No. Are you perfect? No. Well, they got more faults than me. I doubt it, but even if you want to go there, if you ain't walking on water, you probably need to shut your mouth. But the good news is this. There is one who is inside of you. Where there will be a life of joy, of peace, of victory, that nothing can put that out. Doesn't matter how somebody asked me in one service, you know, said, you know, when I was teaching about women, you need to honor the man, and, and man came up to me afterwards and he says, well, what if I'm not getting honor from her? So am, am I just out? I go, no, we're never out. Our victory is not based upon the other person. Our happiness and joy and victory is never based upon the other person. I said, if you look to your heavenly father, you will rest assured that he is always honoring you. Ooh. Somebody says, I just don't get no honor. Have you been in the throne room lately? Because that's where he your father will honor you. Yeah, I don't know because, you know, na- then they change tune. I'm just not very honorable. Your Heavenly Father won't see you as a honorable, less person. He will always honor you. He will always respect you. I'm not getting love from my husband. So what do I do about that? Same thing. Go to your Heavenly Father. There is an endless, endless love for you. My point is this. You can't be demanding on the outside. You can't be demanding on the outside what God has given you on the inside. He's giving you love, He's giving you joy, He's giving you peace, He's giving you kindness, He's giving you patience. Uh, and by the way, it's not just love, it's unconditional love. We don't deserve His love. You realize that, don't you? When you mess up, His love doesn't go from a ten to a nine point three. It's the same. It's not like some cardiogram or what's that pregnancy thing, you know. It's just it's the same. That's why he deserves my worship. That's why I want to be as close as I can. That's why I want to spend time with him. that's why I want to preach. That's why I want to tell people, that's why I want to be with God's people because his love is unconditional. There is no fading of his love. There is no lack in his love. There is no defeat in his love. You can't make his love go away. David said, If I hide myself in hell, there you will be. Woo! You need to love him because his love is endless. Words, they're powerful. I thought of this, you know, I was going to do this, but I decided the first service I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I'm going to do it with you too, so you're feel left out to talk to somebody in first service. I really want you to get a hold of this message about words, though. Don't you want to... and, And don't be the word police, though, okay? You know what I mean by that? You know, did you hear the pastor, what he said? Don't do that. Don't throw me under the bus, all right? A pastor said, No, 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 no. You're not supposed to be the word police. Your spouse, they're, they're probably going to say something. Maybe they shouldn't. Don't no, You know, you just make sure you do your part. And you rely upon the Holy Ghost. You rely upon the grace that is in you. You've got grace in you.